The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Greetings, Thunder Buddies and Travellers Down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch Podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Over here at the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Uh, I am your host, your chauffeur down Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how does this evening find you? I am in very good form, thanks Dave. How are you? I'm alright. It is weird recording Days of Thunder with daylight coming through uh, my window. Uh, normally we, we record in the twilight hours, which is where you get the, the punchiest and perhaps most libelous content from us. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of strange. It's early evening. I'm not that, you know, I'm not annoyed. I'm not tired. I'm not grumpy. Well, you're you're not annoyed yet. I'm not heen and drunk yet. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Play your cards right, who knows? Well, I tell you, when I talk about this drink, I have... By, by the end <laughs> yeah. of the show, it could be all over. <laughs> Here we go. Um, we got a couple of things to mention up top, pal. Um, the first uh, the first of which is um, Days of Thunder isn't the only place we can hear you this week. No, it's not. I'm actually going to be on the five-star match game with Joe Gagne. Gagne? Gagne? Joe Gagney, Gagney. Uh, the, wrestling the, wrestling podcast royalty. The only pronunciation I didn't do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be on that this week, uh, taking on Daniel Maccabe and Steve, who I can't recall his second name. That was actually a quiz champion at the SCI this year. Oh. So, yeah, the topic is WCW, the Nitro years, and it was great fun to, to record and... Hopefully you all check it out and listen in and see how I did. See if I embarrassed myself. Hopefully I didn't. Yeah, we're all massive fans of Dan Maccabi in this parish, so mm-hmm. I'm sure it was a, it was a hoot to get on there with him and and as I said, uh, wrestling podcast royalty mm-hmm. in Joe Gagney. Oh, for sure, uh, like an absolute honor. Um, he was a guy who God, Jesus knows when he would have been like among the first podcasts I I ever found to do with wrestling on the old uh, when I was downloading it through Zencast on my, my old MP3 player was Joe versus the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is a very, he and, and his programming have very special places in my heart. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, hopefully everyone checks that out. And we also have to talk about, before we get into the thunder, we have to talk about this coming weekend. Oh yes. So as you're probably listening to this, ladies and germs, uh, we are hopefully in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> because, you uh, know, there happens to be a hurricane coming to fucking Ireland for the first time ever. 
Yeah, there's Hurricane Lorenzo is beating a path across the Atlantic towards us. And uh, it's going to be a photo finish to see if we get out of the country or not. Um, meteorologists uh, in Ireland are basically shrugging their shoulders as they have no idea how or if it's going to hit here or how much the storm will have degraded by the time it gets here. So, God willingly, we are in Germany as you listen to this on Thursday evening night, um, depending on where you are. Um, And yes, uh, well, nominally, we're going for uh, WXW's World Tag Team Festival. Um, A festival that this year seems to be almost as cursed as our travel plans. Um, with all the pullouts and and replacements and things like that, but it, it's fixing to be a good weekend because uh, some some of our favorite people are going to be there, both in terms of wrestlers and our mates. And it's always a good weekend these WXW weekenders. But um, that's nominally why we're there. But actually, why we're there, Lee, is to defend the honor of our program. God, this isn't going to go well, is it? <laughs> um, yeah. So we're we're taking part in the Oberhaus and Open Tree. Which, yes. Which is this the, year a trios tournament. A trios tournament. And unlike the previous Oberhausen Open bowling tournaments, we were allowed to pick our partners for this mm-hmm. one rather than be randomly assigned. And I have assembled the the Avengers of bowling. Um, <laughs> I am definitely not Hawkeye. <laughs> T- Team Thunder Buddies are going to Oberhausen and it is Dave the Brain Ryan, myself, Tony Bose Johnny, our friend Bose Johnny from Twitter, uh, and yourself, Stagger Lee Malone. And we are going not only as, but in costume as the Thunder broadcast team uh, for this. And Lee, there's been a lot of people talking some mess on Twitter this week about how they're going to win this tournament, this trios edition. But I say to you, sir, that there is no one going to this tournament more dedicated to a bit than us. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if we're the only ones planning some kind of costume, but we're definitely going to win Best Dressed. The fact that we didn't figure out a Thunder-related pun in which to uh, draft Benno into our team probably means <laughs> that we're not going to win. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if you've realised this, but I've gone bowling a couple of times with like the Oberhausen Open last year, the Tala Open mm. this year. I'm not a good bowler. I'm, I'm really not. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to ebb and flow. Uh, I start off poorly in the middle I, I get real strong and then finish poorly um, but let me tell you I'm looking at a lot of these these teams around us and I have very little fear I'd say um, you're like the spores of bowling basically yeah I'm looking at this and I'm seeing it. We're, we're we're on the lane with team 4L and that, that that's grand they're you know they're nice you know I'm sure Sarah will bring it I'm sure uh, her young nephew will bring it but, but I'm looking at... I'm, the real dark horse here is Alan. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at Alan Farrell. I'm saying there, you know, he's all friendly to us in person, Lee. But beneath that beats the heart of a pure monster. I've seen that man mini-golf and he will <laughs> eat you alive. Oh, if, there, if there's going to be somebody that cheats on the lane, it's going to be Alan. I'll be keeping a watchful eye on him. And especially if he uses his patented Street Fighter 2 Ryu headband that he uses while mini-golfing. <laughs> Which I have long suspected to be a performance-enhancing headband. Let me tell you, that, that's a big claim. Yeah, and you know, elsewhere, I'm looking. I'm looking down the field, and you know, I I fancy our chances here to do quite well. Um, I think we've got the the team chemistry to pull it off. 
Um, I, I think rather than do, you know, say what, what, what our good friend Sarah Flan has done and she has taken under her wing two abysmal bowlers in Zig and Barry. <laughs> She, you know, she's doing she's doing her charity work there. She's trying to bring these young kids along, teach them the ways. What we've done, rather than opt for that inconsistency of really good bowler and two very bad bowlers, what we've done is made the unconventional move of having three really bad bowlers on our team. And I don't think anyone's going to see that coming. Let it's me tell you a, it's that. It's a solid plan. It really is. Yeah. We, so we this are, Friday... I was going to say, we are the NWO Hollywood of the Oberhausen Open. Damn right. This Friday, Nippy's Bowling Alley... Oberhausen, a storm is brewing, my friend. The Thunder Buddies are coming, and we're taking the medals. And that's all I gotta say about that. Should Should we go full BWO and take over? <laughs> I did. Do you know the uh, the thing that would sway me onto going full BWO and abandoning the the costumes <laughs> we've already spent money on would be if if they can hook up the sound system so that we can get that badass BWO theme to to intro us. As we come in on a couple of uh, tricycles or something. Yeah, yeah, I'd take that. <laughs> I'd take that. But uh, anyway, that's that's enough about... Uh, that's enough bowling-related promos, which was not something I thought I would do when I woke up this morning. Um, Lee, we got one last thing to talk about, and we'll kind of talk about it mainly at the end of the show, but uh, we announced on Twitter for follower, followers of the podcast on Twitter, at WCW Thunderpod. Uh, we announced that we will have a new limited edition series that will pop up once uh, and every now and again uh, called Days of Thunder, Pick Your Poison. Now, the first thing I need to make clear is this won't interrupt your usual once every two weeks Days of Thunder broadcast schedule. We will still be banging those shows out with the usual low level of professionalism (laughs) we have become infamous for far and wide across the internet. Um... On, on top of that, we decided, look, you know, we like the dynamic the two of us have here, where it's the two of us reviewing mm-hmm. the Thunder and stuff like that. But obviously, we want to involve our pals. We want to see if there's people we can talk to. There's definitely a list we've had in the backs of our heads of people we know and that we don't know that we'd love to talk to about um, the, the wrestlers and uh, uh, of WCW Thunder and their body of work. Mm-hmm. So we kind of hatched this plan uh, for this miniseries called... Uh, days of thunder pick your poison uh essentially it's one special guest on with the two of us uh we dissect one wrestler's body of work into six matches um the rules of pick your poison will be that the guest coming onto the show picks a wrestler that wrestler must be on the active thunder roster at the point in the timeline that we're currently covering on the main show uh the guest dave and lee all pick two matches each. None of the matches can be from WCW during the period 98 to 2001 because either we have talked about it on Thunder or we will talk about it or it will create a kind of weird timeline blip where we're talking about stuff a couple of years ahead of the fact. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. The two kinds of matches that we'll pick, uh, one of the kind of undisputed classics of this wrestler's body of works uh, and the other one is kind of like an underrated or personal fave that you have that may not get the same kind of level of um, adulation as some others. Um, and then the final one is once a wrestler has been picked for an episode of Pick Your Poison, they can never be picked again. So we're going to run out of the absolute top ho- home run wrestlers very quickly. And we're going to have to start getting either creative or bad. Hang on, you forgot the rule that I added on at the end. 
Uh, what was that? There will be no Conan. And there will be no disco. <laughs> <laughs> Chris just cancelled out the podcast. Yeah, I think we call that a quid pro Conan on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, fair enough. Uh, but other than that, we're like we're we're not going to nix any suggestions that uh, that that guests will have. Uh, we can't really say with any sort of reliability or regularity when these shows will drop. It'll be like once every few months when we get an opportunity to like sit in a room. Yeah, because the cool thing is that we're all going to sit down together and watch said six matches. That's it. We're going to come with a playlist of matches, which I will announce the wrestler and the matches at the end of this program. Um, and we'll hopefully, you know, sometimes, you know, if we get, say, somebody, one of our friends or acquaintances or someone we'd like to talk to and they don't live anywhere near us geographically, mm-hmm. we will have to revert to the traditional means of, of doing this over Skype. But that's OK. Um, we will, where possible, endeavor to do this in the same room um, and, and give it a bit, a bit of a different kind of casual feel. And get to give us a bit of relief of watching some reliably and consistently good wrestling as opposed to um, patchy at best programs. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you obviously if you're friends with us and you like the idea, let us know and let's mm-hmm. see what we can do. Obviously, I think the first couple we would really like to do in person just to kind of... Yeah have that kind of unique feel and then if we do kind of do it a bit more often further down the line we yeah. will look into the whole sky thing we're, we're kind of just taking a taking a punt and seeing what happens with yeah. this is an is an idea we had we're going to be in overhausen which is where we're going to do our first episode uh, and thought this might be a nice way we've been cooking up an idea like what kind of things can we do as specials we have a couple of other ideas for like limited run specials we could do in the future at some stage but we don't need to burn through all our mediocre ideas right up frontly uh, <laughs> we're not we'll just them out. yeah we'll just roll them out one at a time anyway without further ado let's get into our, our customary part on this program and talk about uh, our liquid uh accompaniment for <laughs> thunder this week lee it's a bit earlier in the day uh you're a little bit more rested you don't necessarily necessarily need just caffeine and your bed this time you're you're going to imbibe and and what are you having well you know that phrase it's five o'clock somewhere yeah it's definitely five o'clock here hello because for the first time ever on, oh. on days of thunder oh i'm having a glass of wine Oh, here he is. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. He's classing up the fucking joint. Oh, yeah. Gone full Kevin Ash. Oh, I've gone quite the... Well, not quite the opposite way. It's not a cheap beer I've got here, but I have stuck reliably with beer. Speaking of which, I like to do like the very last plug for the show. Uh, because of this whole thing I'm doing with Thunder, I've actually signed up to the Untapped app. Oh. Where you get to rate and review different beers you've had. Mm-hmm. So I've been messing around with that uh, over the weekend. If you want to follow me, it's the same as my Twitter handle, at the day to Dave. Uh, maybe we can persuade Lee to get on there and review his Thunder beers as he's drinking them. Uh, but yeah, it's basically a thing where you can just like search for a beer and check in with your rating and stuff like that. So I'm going to rate my Thunder beers as we go along um, throughout, the, throughout Thunder Road here. Uh, this week on the program, I have gone with courtesy of the fine people at the Carrig Brewing Company in County Leitrim. So the first decent thing to come out of Leitrim. Um, I've gone with a poacher's pale ale 
Um, so I'm still working through, you might recall on a previous program, I went and just bought like a buttload of ales mm-hmm. and stuffed them in my fridge. So this is the second to last one of those before I have to start kind of Restocking. researching more. Um, and, so, yeah, and how I'm is hoping, it? Uh, you know, it's pretty good. It's It's got that kind of fruitiness that a lot of pale ales have, that kind of wild forest fruits uh, fruitiness. But it's a bit lighter. I think the last couple I've had have been a little bit kind of really up in your face whereas this is more kind of like a cool and refreshing up front and you get the fruit in the aftertaste so yeah i'm a big fan of this one apart from the fact that i was gonna say that sounds like my my type of beer that sounds nice yeah apart from the fact that like literally right before we recorded and i popped it open that it nearly flooded my desk um (laughs) I, i don't know what i wonder is like somebody running in and trying to sabotage the program by like shaking up my beers before i go to record i don't care for it very much sir what you think like Bart Simpson has the fucking shake <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it's some competing I don't know like Smackdown podcast or something like that that's coming in and trying to knock us off the rails um, but anyway let's get into it sir uh, it's Thunder episode 15 dated April 22nd 1998 from Columbia South Carolina we're in the Carolinas here Flair country um and certainly WCW country. Uh, we are coming hot off the heels of Spring Stampede, which we uh, had talked about on the last episode. Um, and we've <laughs> we've basically kicking off the show because this is, you know, something the Attitude Era is known for, Lee, um, this period of time in, in professional wrestling in North America. A period of time which it looks like we may be returning to uh, with the with the Wednesday Night Wars starting this week as we're recording things. Mm-hmm. Um, was that in an effort to pop ratings uh, and keep people off the other guy's channel, um, the companies would basically hotshot titles around and angles and things like that and you know, if you're not familiar with the parlance, uh, the idea of hot shotting is like really rapidly moving titles around, having title changes all the time, or like blitzing through storylines that you know could take three months, but you're doing them over the course of a month to try and just peak interest, mm-hmm. and you're not thinking long term. You're thinking very, very much short term. Uh, Lee, is it safe to say that over time, uh, this repeated practice would somewhat erode the credibility of World Championship Wrestling? Oh yeah, this very much feels like the beginning of let's just throw shit at the wall, see what sticks, and it really does damage WCW. Like this is this is the start point of where they're just throwing out angles that you know were big money angles, yeah, and just yeah. rushing and rushing and just throwing everything at the wall to try and get viewers, and ultimately mm. they fucked themselves. Like yeah. the, 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 now, I was gonna say, this is the first week where I really feel we missed out not watching Nitro. Yeah. It's also the first week where, like, we've seen some previously on Nitro things or some weird opening angles on this show. I think this was the first uh, week where the cold open or the the replay from Monday, in this case, it was just the lads telling us what had happened. Um, It was the first time where I was like, oh, no. Because, you know, even though you haven't seen a lot of Thunder, um, we still haven't hit the part of Thunder where I have started actively watching it. Mm. We know our broad strokes of history. We know where this goes and we can't ignore. Um, there's a lot of, between the the harbinger of these hot-shotting angles and titles around that is this opening segment and something that happens later in the program, you're getting to some of the notorious 
things WCW is remembered for, mm-hmm. uh, some bad things that happened. But um, the things in question this time, because, Lee, you know, it's one level if, say, you know, the mid-card, the mid-cardiest of mid-card titles is hot shot around. Like, if the TV title is changing hands twice in a week, I'm like, I'm not happy about it, but I'm going, well, like, look, the, the company can survive this and it's not what is the tv title it's not the most prestigious championship in the company you know not to discredit booker or anything like that um but these are the top two singles titles in the company that have been hot shotted uh they had new champions on sunday on the pay-per-view and they were both changed again the following night on nitro um, so the US title went from DDP to Raven, as we talked about on Spring Stampede, and then that belt went to Goldberg. Uh, that's obviously the more inevitable of the two, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone anticipated that was going to happen. E- e- mm. Like, even in real time, I wouldn't imagine that many people thought Raven was going to be the one to stop the win streak. Yeah. Um, it's the next title that we're going to talk about that really, really makes no sense. Yeah, then we have the world title, which, as Lee said, really made no sense because we had it moving from Sting to Macho uh, at the pay-per-view. And I was kind of thinking, you know, if we ignore what we knew was going to happen, we could have said to ourselves, well, you know, there's an interesting angle, I think, to Savage having the belt or rather... A pro- any prominent figure in the NWO who isn't Hogan mm-hmm. having the belt and watching that slowly stew away as kind of paranoid Hogan starts to unravel. And you could have really told, I think, an interesting story uh, to build to a pay-per-view that would have had Savage versus Hogan for the belt and the soul of the NWO on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you could have made something out of that, couldn't you? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, just... just uh brainstorm like for me like the story would have been savage keeps the title hogan gets more and more jealous as time passes you spend the whole summer with basically hogan versus savage say hogan wins the title around road world then you yeah. then you build from there from for hogan goldberg a staircase yeah like absolutely that, that's old school professional wrestling build and you build up to your big pay-per-view your wrestlemania your staircase whatever it may be and you have your hottest guy faced your big heel champion. Yeah. Um, you do the two kinds of book. There are two styles of storytelling, really, where either you go, um, this is emergent storytelling and we're going to book interesting chapters and kind of see where the crowd reaction takes us. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's one approach. But in wrestling, as you say, the tried and true method is going to yourself well this is the end point this is the match we want to get to or the champion we want to get to now we reverse engineer all the way back and how do we build it slowly and get people in the door and get them to want to see the match but no that's not what happens because again bischoff focused solely on the idea of popping a rating uh on Nitro, the night after Savage wins the title, uh, the belt goes to Hogan, and the belt goes to Hogan because of all the people on this earth, Bret Hart <laughs> stabs Sting in the back. Didn't we just spend a whole episode with Bret Hart fucking little two-minute interviews where he just said he loved Sting so much? Yeah. 
and he hated Hogan and he was poisoned yeah. and scum and blah 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 blah. This this is what we call in the business Lee, and I didn't think we'd say this word <laughs> this early. A swerve. Bro. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna get too hackneyed about it, but as everybody always says, swerves are great if when the swerve happens you think about it and go, oh, that made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, not so much with the sense, I think. Um, and that will be the the growing theme in WCW throughout our run on Thunder Road. Um, Brain, uh, yeah, he announces that Bret Hart stabbed Sting in the back. Or sorry, Tony says uh, Bret stabbed Sting in the back. And as he does this, Brain is in the background as if we weren't already aware of what that was. He is very theatrically mime- miming, <laughs> stabbing Tony in the back. Uh, which I appreciated. Uh, Brain officially declares the NWO split into two factions, which I could have sworn was basically the case at least the last month, if not two. Two months ago, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hogan's music interrupts uh, this cold open and he comes out with E and the Disciple. What a a motley crew of human beings. Hogan is in the ring then and... (laughs) Uh, Eric takes the position as mouthpiece while Hogan basically just whips off the shirt and starts doing poses. Um, He says they're here to give the fans what they've been waiting for and that's the Disciple spraying the belt with the the NWO logo. Um, I suppose better that than him fucking wrestling. Do you know, I yes, well, there's that. And I was actually impressed with how legible he was spray painting on it because, I, you know, I, I'm not one who has... Uh, I don't think I've ever used a spray paint can myself. Um, but I can't imagine being this accurate on a small belt. Um, so fair play to him there. That's probably the most, like the best effort he's put in in a ring in his career. I mean, do you not, um, do you not think uh, Ed Leslie is out spray painting walls in Venice Beach? He may be. He may be a notorious graffiti tagger. For all I know, you know, is Ed, Le- um, Ed, is Ed Leslie Banksy? That's the question. I, I don't know. I've never seen Banksy and the Booty Man in the in the same building at the same time so who's to say get really? Jesse Ventura on it uh, Hulk goes off on one for a minute like about a minute about how great he is and this was another one of those promos where so when Hogan is on you know Hogan horrible human being we've talked about this before <laughs> horrible human being but like the right Hogan promo you know whether it's his you know uh, eat your vitamins say your prayers stuff that worked like a treat in the 80s or, or some of his you know I'm a paranoid dickhead heel promos during this period of time the right Hogan promo still worked a treat you know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, I could go the whole rest of my life without watching a Hogan match but I, I will not deny the efficacy of some of his promos uh, this is not one of those. This is more like those off weeks he has um, where he's been, uh, I don't know if I want to say bucket of cocaine <laughs> on the show. <laughs> but I'll just say the Hulkster was having a great time before he came out because he's talking here for about a minute about how great he is. And I rewound it twice and I have no idea what he was saying except for the general theme that I'm I'm pretty brilliant. Yeah, I caught nothing of what he said. Like I, I, I like you. I've refer, uh, reverted to taking notes on the phone now yeah. instead of writing things. So I'm getting a lot mm-hmm. more notes. This promo, I caught nothing because Hogan yeah, is I- just rambling. 
Yeah, and he's not like slurring or, you know, it's not like he's talking off mic. I can hear the words and they're all English words insofar as I can tell. But just collectively, they they make no sense in a way that almost you can try willfully to pay attention or transcribe the promo. But the the rambling nature, as you say, of the promo is forcing my mind to think about anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, did I leave the stove on? You know, anything like that. Um. <laughs> I, I did appreciate how utterly transparently him and Eric start bragging about the TV ratings then. I'm like, what the fuck is this? That fucking annoyed me so much. It's something that they got too far up their own fourth wall breaking meta asses. Like, I know something that's that's popular to beat the likes of the elite over the head with is all this meta fourth wall breaking stuff. And I don't really care for that either. But we got to remember how long that tradition stretches back. And in the 90s, you know, you've got like obviously nowadays you've got that kind of a significant body of fans who are very well keyed in to all this sort of stuff and actually follow the minutiae of TV ratings and things like that. But in 1998, who gives a fuck about TV ratings? Like who, like, shall I say, who in Columbia, South Carolina that night in the arena gives a fuck about the ratings, you know? Like, uh, I, th- I remember listening to Between the Sheets before and I'm pretty sure they said like... A great podcast, by the way. Oh, fantastic. Well worth listening every week. Um, But I, I remember hearing them say like something like between The Torch and The Observer, there was like maybe 10,000 subscribers in the night like the yeah. late 90s just think about yeah. that 10,000 people between the two newsletters yeah. and yet people are on TV talking 2D is fucking sheet readers inverted commas mm. and like it's taking up TV time when the majority of people are just like but why why did they care about what rating they got like like you don't yeah. hear fucking Morphe Brown or whatever the fucking big show was at the time on TV Talking Murphy Brown. <laughs> talking about what fucking rating You couldn't they got. have gone for like fucking friends or Seinfeld. <laughs> Murphy Brown. You don't have fucking Kramer sliding in the door going, Jerry, what fucking rating did we get last week? I nowadays you want don't want Kramer sliding in the door at all. But anyway, <laughs> that's besides the point. Um Hogan says if anybody puts their hands on Bischoff, they'll have to answer to him and the whole NWO. Uh <laughs> What's funny is, as part of his, because he tends to, at a certain point, when he feels things aren't going his way in a promo, uh, he'll just resort to kind of just mocking his opponents. Um, and he he says that Savage has scarecrow hair, which is, like, it's accurate. I can't unsee that now. He does have scarecrow hair. He is Wurzel Gulch. But it's, yes, but it's a little rich. You know? <laughs> You know, well, I mean, Hogan had a fine head of hair once. I mean, it was nineteen seventy nine. And he still, he still, depending on how picky you are about the geography of where his hair is, he still has a fine head of hair in parts, I guess. Uh, at this point, but yeah, I was just kind of like, well, you're kind of drawing attention to the fact you're a big old baldy here, my friend. <laughs> um, and then we have a flashback to Nitro, and this is another one of those things that we didn't know how to feel about, where. They're doing gradual bits and pieces of something that happened Nitro over the night rather than just showing it to us 
in full or in one or two parts. I think we hit back on this maybe three to four times. And if things hadn't gone very badly awry at a certain point in this show, as we'll talk about, I suspect we would have got considerably more broken out replays. Yeah, it's like, it's not even like they teased that later on in the show, we're going to show you how the title changed. It's just, they gradually showed these clips of how they got to the match on Hmm. uh, Monday. And it just, it's very kind of fucking... There's no explanation for it. It's just like, oh yeah, here's Hogan calling out Savage. Yeah, it's evidently Hogan trying to bait Savage into accepting a rematch um, and saying that he wouldn't have won the belt without his big sexy girlfriend. <laughs> Which, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I chuckled. <laughs> I'm still chuckled. <laughs> the, the phrase big sexy girlfriend is a, like is a weird one to throw out on live television, but here he is. Uh, our first match of the evening comes as Disco Inferno takes on Booker T. Fuck sake, Disco Inferno's shirt. <laughs> Love Disco. <laughs> His shirt is made out of like curtains from the 70s. He's Disco Inferno. That was a very in, in style. I. No. <laughs> Look, I get, I get that. I, I will concede the point that for that character, that shirt is probably apt, you know. <laughs> but it was an assault on the senses, nonetheless. You're, you're just, it was very visually noisy. You're just a hater. It's, it's I am. Here. I am proud of it. Proud of it. Disco is dead, my friend. You're, you're wrong on. Um, you're wrong on all accounts. Uh, apparently, according to the commentary team, uh, Brett literally stabbed WCW in the back, which is interesting. Um, Lee admits he. <laughs> this is great. You know, the commentators are usually either the voice of reason that try to explain to you things that are either difficult to understand or are baffling in WCW's case, uh, or at the very best, they do like a Mike Tenay, where it's like, "I'm going to get to the bottom of why this mystery happened." Basically, one match into this program, uh, Stagger Lee throws his hands up in the air I just like I have no idea why Bret Hart did it <laughs> and you know what Lee us too I have absolutely it, you know it beggars belief why Bret did it and we, we don't really get any sort of illumination on the matter uh, anytime soon uh, on this show um, Booker hits uh, a back body drop early in this match that Disco nearly didn't rotate for. Um, you know, they are impressive, the control of the, the body some of these guys have in free fall that they managed to tuck at the last minute. But some of these, th- this isn't the first time I've talked about this in the show, some of these back body drops where people are turning at the last minute, I, oh Jesus, I just, I get nervous. It, just, especially because of what happens a couple of matches from now. Yeah, like, and uh, there is an accident on the show, but like, the thoughts of taking a back body drop is fucking terrifying, like. Yeah, it, and like, if I were to take one, I would be tucking as soon as possible. Yeah, like, <laughs> I want to rotate and have my back ready to take a fucking bump. I don't want yeah. to be talking at the last fucking second. That, that's mm. scary, man. Uh, Disco plays possum uh, after a huge axe kick, uh, say, saying he has an in, injured leg, uh, surprises Booker and pile drives him uh, for a two count. So, so hang on. Disco fakes a knee injury. And Tony yeah. Schiavone... Which is, not even, which is not even the first fake knee injury in recent weeks. No. You know, because we have the Kerr Hennig thing mm. going on at the same time. And Schiavone is like, yeah, I don't believe him. 
and, yeah, and, and, immediately. And all the while, Booker's like, oh, is he okay? And kind of made to look like a fucking yeah. fool because Tony Schiavone is now the smartest man in WCW. Yeah, like I get right, if one of your commentators is kind of going, you know, tentatively going, oh, I'm not so sure, but there's another commentator doing the really hard sell. Mm-hmm. But this was Tony, like, throwing the baby out with the bat war. Just going, nah, nah, not don't worry about it. <laughs> he's definitely not injured. Spoiler, he's definitely not injured. He's going to attack Booker. He might as well have said. Uh, and he did Disco now, obviously trying to finish Booker quick because he knows he's outmatched. Uh, he locks in a sleeper. And this is my favorite part of the whole match. He locks a sleeper in on Booker. Um, and Booker just gives him a look that says, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't notice it. <laughs> like, you're Disco Inferno and you're doing fucking rest holds, mate. Not even Disco needs anyway, a break. He does that. The Inferno has kind of uh, petered out somewhat. Booker fires up, hits a sidekick, missile drop kick, three count. Uh, in spite of the fact that I think this was a fairly lackluster match with the the knee injury shenanigans that I don't think were needed. Uh, people here love Booker, love him. I, I've said it before. Booker was ready in early '98. Uh it's so it's so gutting that it's like what two years before they they proper give him a go mm-hmm. and even then you know it's during the year where they change the the belt like an astonishing amount of times um he's a fighting champion and he into the camera tells uh anyone who wants his belt to come and get it and i love that trope of the babyface fighting champion um it, it's something great and especially for something like the tv title where it's expected to be defended fairly regularly mm-hmm. on the television and it, uh, it sets up oh, sorry, go, go on, no, yeah. go, go on, finish your point uh, it sets up that kind of, like I said, that running trope that I really like of kind of, oh, who's the who's the person who's going to come this week? And the more it builds up Booker as an incredible champion, it will also build up the guy who eventually beats him because it's like Booker has laid waste to everybody. Uh, now, obviously, uh, that kind of idea comes with its its downside and it's like, how do you follow the act of the fighting champion? It's like, well, I suppose one of the ways is not have it go on too long. Um, we'll talk about winning streaks uh, another day here I think on this but when I think of some of my favourite fighting champion things I love the John Cena open challenge with the US title oh yeah great that was all time uh, loved uh, my man Rusev undefeated with his US title mm-hmm. um, you know um, and I, I, obviously you know the streak with Goldberg I think we've just seen a, a great one in DDP yeah absolutely there was a fighting champion who like that was to me for me as a viewer and for what I like now and for what I I believe I would have liked in 1998 that feud with Benoit over who's the best absolutely would have been my my hottest feud in WCW at the time just like in 2000 I was loving the two my two favorite feuds in 2000 are Triple H the Rock who are just like month in month out I'm better than you I'm better than you and it just becomes intensely personal over that and similarly Benoit and Jericho Oh yeah, like those four carried the WWF into the year 2000. Yeah, four men with incredible fighting pride Mm -hmm. who believed they were the best at what they did fighting over a belt. Absolutely brilliant stuff. But anyway, um, we get get a tease that it'll be Sting versus Scott Steiner in the main event. We then get some footage of Savage getting absolutely waffled by Hogan uh, with a chair on Nitro. Uh, 
back to <laughs> back to thunder and the nadir of uh, wrestling quality for the night I think uh, <laughs> Barbarian with Jimmy Hart versus Prince Ikea ah fuck off I wrote in the notes <laughs> Uh, yeah. This, What'd you think of this, this one? This fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they're building a barbarian. I fucking I don't care. I mean, bar- this is weird. Barbarian it's is weird well past his best at this stage. I, I hear here coming off like at least on Thunder, the guts of about two months where they were just pushing him to the moon, like he was just beating everybody. Oh yeah, building up that fucking the Northern Lights suplex for the last two months, pinning everybody. He, yeah. he gets beat, and then he just gets you, and now that that's it. It's over. <laughs> Yeah, and this is the flip side of those streaks that we talked about. It's like you just get beat, and then they don't know what the next step is with the person who has just had their little winning streak mm-hmm. broken. That's the downside. Like again, I invoked the the Rusev with the U.S. title. Jesus, he was killed into the ground after he finally lost that thing. You know, um, after Cena just showed up and beat him at the peak of Rusev coming out on his tank, and I'll never forgive John for that. <laughs> Yeah, that that was one of uh, those cases where Rusev really should have won. Yeah, uh, it was boring and short. Uh, crowd chanted for Flair during this match, who was not involved, uh, and the Barbarian won. He won with a big boot. Yeah, a uh, big boot. Yeah, it and it was, wasn't even uh, a test quality big boot. It was just literally him lifting his leg and fucking. Yeah, yeah it was more. He ran into his foot. Um, no. It was poor, but at least it was short. Uh, we've got uh, a tease for WCW Saturday Night where we're going to have Rick Steiner versus Scott Norton in a beefy da face-off, which I think we've seen a couple of times between Saturday Night and Thunder. I think that's definitely happened twice on Thunder. I feel like I've said that out loud before and not just once. Uh, the Barbarian will be there and they're promising a replay of Goldberg versus Raven from Nitro. In its entirety. Uh, in its entirety, which I, I imagine wasn't terribly long. Uh more Savage versus Hogan footage and this is uh, doing the the classic heel Hogan shtick of uh, using the weight belt as a whip but it was Savage this time whipping Hogan with it um, and then he hits the elbow and I appreciate Tony Schiavone consummate professional commentator as he's going up for the elbow drop the big elbow using his elbow something that would you would be able to think of elbow drop it should come to mind immediately but oh no Tony Schiavone screams he's going for the move <laughs> has Tony checked out it's only 1998 I wasn't expecting it this early ah <laughs> uh, he's yeah he's definitely become a bit more patchier since we've started I was so pleasantly he's relieved when move. we started I was so pleasantly relieved when we started and like the three of them were on point but Tony in particular has degraded something fierce over these 15 episodes already and I still this is no disrespect to Tony Schiavone on his day to this day I still rate him as a pro wrestling announcer but it's just obviously he figured out this was the B show a lot quicker than some people did yeah (laughs) <laughs> and he was just a little bit pissy about having to be here a second night a week. Um, next up, we have Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton powered by cocaine with Vincent versus the Dogface package. Uh, excuse um, me, you need to get Steiner and Bag or Norton and Bagwell's name correct. What did I call them? You called them uh, Norton and Bagwell. It's vicious and delicious. Oh yes, of course it's vicious. Liz. I thought I'd come up with another dog face package type name for the minority. Forgotten. No, that was a good name. To be fair, 
Yeah. V- Vicious and Delicious versus the Dog Face package. Um, Jesus, Buff and Scott come roaring out of the entrance ramp here. Yeah, Jesus, Scott Norton storms towards the camera and just growls into it. They uh, they obviously pass by Hogan's bucket of good times uh, that we were talking about <laughs> earlier on the way because they are absolutely bouncing off the walls coming do, out. Do you think instead of a gorilla position, WCW had a Columbia position? Yeah. Oh, my word. Um, real, like, Medellin sort of situation going on there. Um, Buff and Steiner start off the match trading strikes. Uh, Buff hits a really sweet-looking dropkick, but he obviously was so surprised at himself for how good the dropkick was that he's just given it fucking loads. <laughs> and he drops Steiner again, uh, but this time he taunts too long and gets popped in the gob for it. Uh, Lex gets tagged in, Lex calls for the rack, but Rick is talking uh, to the ref at the time, which allows Buff to run in and the heels take control of the match. Um, Eventually, Rick manages to take the hot tag and just starts throwing the lads around, which I appreciated. Uh, The match breaks down and we get to uh, a fairly infamous part of this program and this match that... I didn't remember, Lee, before I started the program that this happens this early. But as soon as the bulldog spot begins to take shape, I got like that kind of horrible flashback of, oh God, is this when it happens? Okay, right. Well, had you ever seen this footage before? I had, but here's the thing I knew the, I knew Bagwell got a neck injury yeah I knew he got hurt I did not yeah. realise it was on Thunder I, I, yeah. I had forgotten it was on Thunder and I forgot it was in 1998 so yeah. when it happens and the pin happens and you know Scott comes out and puts Bagwell on top and we see the pinfall that's grand and then it goes back to the ring and he still hasn't moved that's when I went oh oh fuck this is it isn't it because that's one of the other things about it and I'll talk about the spot that happens here in a sec but you don't actually immediately it's it's by it it takes minutes to realize that something is mm-hmm. badly wrong um and it takes minutes after that before you see the replay from an angle that shows you what happened and even then the slow motion replay at the exact angle like it looks sore but you wouldn't have said necessarily that that's very obviously a serious neck back injury situation. Do you know what it is? I think it's known that it was a neck back injury. Yeah. And then you see the but like known in hindsight, and then you see what happens, you're like, yeah, yeah I can totally see why that happened, like how mm. that happened. And see, I knew I, I knew it was at some point early in this year, and I knew it happened on Thunder, because I'd seen I remember seeing the footage before and remembering it was Thunder. Um, And I knew it was 98 because by the time I was regularly watching Nitro and Thunder in 99, he was already back. Um, And I was hearing from my friends about how, like, he was really good before, you know. And it's, it's a thing where he was never quite the same after this, which is really tragic because you know we laugh about you know what a what a dork he was and his promos and stuff like that but um in his own way a a gifted athlete in his day oh for sure like i mean look bagwell had been in wcw since i think like 91 
And yeah. look, no matter what you can say, you don't hang around in one of the top two companies for six, seven years if, if yeah. you're not talented. And, and yeah, he may have been in the NWO B team, unquote, uh, quote unquote, but he would be one of the more prominent members of that second strata of the NWO. You like at this stage, I would say it's it's kind of like there's the A tier with the Outsiders and Hogan mm-hmm. and Savage and the like. Then there's the B tier, but right at the top of the B tier, I would say is him and Scott Steiner oh, at this for point. sure. By this point in '98, it's definitely Scott Steiner and Bagwell as the two for the future of the NWO. Yeah, and it's tragic. So there's, uh, as we say, uh, Rick goes for the the top rope bulldog. It's such a simple spot. We've seen it so many times uh, throughout his career that he does this. Um, All we see on the live TV broadcast from the angle we're at is that Vincent goes to hit him with a chair uh, when Scott takes it off him and he hits the bulldog. Um, And then Scott hits Rick himself and gets pinned by Buff. He kind of sort of half rolls him onto it, but it looks like a weird cover he's done. He he, he Um, attempts to pick up Buff and put him on top. Yeah, but obviously but at this point, very quickly becomes a rare that something has gone. Yeah, wrong. obviously at this point, Buff is just dead weight, and like obviously his body is fucking like I don't want to say his body is shut down, but you know what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say, like where he's just impossible to move. Yeah. yeah, the the ref runs out towards the back, and the commentators are playing this off as if he might be looking at the interference on a monitor or something and thinking about reversing the decision. They don't know what's going on. Uh, we go to break. We have uh, footage of Hogan eating a jackknife on Nitro. And then we come back to this kind of real, almost morbid atmosphere. Um, we get a top-down video of just Buff lying motionless in the ring. Mm-hmm. And if it hadn't dawned on you beforehand that this is when Buff breaks his neck, this is it becomes very, very clear. Um, it's really scary. Um, they showed the replay a whole bunch of times. Um it was terrifying to see how, like, he clearly had no, no motion below his neck. Um, he, the the commentators are absolutely shaken by it. You yeah, know, like, much as they may try to talk it off, like yeah, they're um, just in shock. You can hear Heenan's voice here. Heenan, in particular, is the one who's like, "I need to go down and yeah, check." You can hear a tremble in his voice almost as he's talking, yeah. and then he's like, I, "I have to go down. I have to go down." And Shivani, because yeah. Heenan's a guy, yeah, obviously, Heenan's a guy who's been around the business decades at this and point. Didn't, didn't and like, he have I'm sure a he's seen himself. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, so he's a guy who's seen it all, um, and obviously knows this is this is no good at all. Um, the whole air was sucked out of the building, and with a couple of kind of moments uh, as exceptions throughout the rest of the show, I don't think the crowd fully got back. No, um, um, like, and I wouldn't have either. No, look, it it's not. No, I'm not comparing them. It's not an own heart situation. Yeah, but I mean, right, using our example, us two as an example, we were both there the night that Curtis Murray fucked his head up at the Tivoli. Yeah, and we heard the thud as he hit, and. Fucking, I think both of us fucking almost yelled when his head came up. Or Os- Will Ospreay yeah. actually came up. Well, yeah, from so the- what happened first was that we were blocked off by the apron yeah. and Will Ospreay comes up and he's covered basically elbow to hand in yeah. blood. And, and I, th- I think the thing that got us really, there was a woman sitting right at the front of the stage area overlooking where it happened. And she was just And she white. went yeah. 
she went white as a sheet and we kind of turned around and we're like oh this this, this isn't, isn't good. good like and that's that's probably the worst injury i've seen at a show i've seen a couple of shoulders go out i saw was darren carney's shoulder went that time oh that's right yes that was uh on the ringside mm-hmm. show um, and i was technically i was te- yeah we saw katie harvey but we didn't see it we saw her dive down and our our view was kind of obscured. I didn't actually see her hit the ground, but I heard her scream afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I was technically in the building when Seth Rollins' leg exploded in Dublin uh, on the Sunset Flip powerbomb, but I had left uh, to get home early. So I was kind of on the way out the door when it happened, and I could hear the, whoa, but I thought it was just some kind of spot. Mm. Um so yeah, this this was really scary stuff. And like I said, this really, like more than you would think from such a simple kind of spot, fucked Buff, Buff Bagwell up in a way that he never fully recovered to the level he had been at before. And I'm just going to read you a bit out of the, the Wikipedia here um, that I had tweeted out at the time because I was kind of even shook watching it even though I knew that he it's weird watching it and i know he's okay in terms of that he's alive and he f- has a full range of motion and stuff like this but still in the moment i am absolutely shaken um so this is from his wikipedia entry and it says just before that however rick attempted his diving bulldog finishing move which was not executed correctly and resulted in bagwell's head striking steiner's back so it's kind of his head slipped out while rick was on the way down he still took the bump and ended up bumping into Steiner's kind of back and the back of his arm as well and it just jarred his head and neck like you can see it snap back in the slow motion um it jams his neck and severely injured him he was diagnosed with several damaged vertebrae and developed spinal shock and he needed to use a wheelchair and a neck brace for some time after that i think it was the end of the summer before he would show back up on television and he was in a wheelchair then still um, and I think the guts of six months to a year before he's actually back wrestling. God, is it that long? Uh, it certainly felt like it at the time. It might be by the end of the year, but I know he do- I think this entry goes on to say that he hasn't. He doesn't show up again on television until July, and he's still in a wheelchair. Then I, I know he comes back in the wheelchair on TV, but I wasn't sure if yeah. that's gimmick or if it was legit. Um. Yeah. Well, like according, to, like it, it kind of again, it's Wikipedia, so it's hard to to gauge. I'd have to, and we don't do that kind of research on the show where we go back into <laughs> old observers or torches or anything like that. We would just tweet Wade or something like that and ask him. Um. But yeah, this was a really really scary moment, and this must have ed up about I oh, fifteen twenty minutes of the show nearly. Yeah, I mean- it goes through two ad breaks and they to kind of vamp for time they basically show the whole finish of the world title match from Nitro as well yeah I, I mean maybe it's looking at it with 2019 hours but I was I was almost surprised how long they kept the cameras on the ring Let, like, yeah. like I know I know the announcers had to stall for time and that's grand but like it, it's crazy to me like that they, they actually filmed a lot of it yeah I guess it's one of those things where you have to make a judgment call in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think by not showing him, you would have scared the shit out of people at home way more. Yeah, possibly. You know, if you can see that he's getting looked after and see that the doctors are attending to him and that he's still conscious and talking, maybe you scare people a bit less. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to be the kind of cynic who says, well, the more you show, the less likely people are to change channel. I don't think that's the case. I don't think people think like that. And at least I'd like uh, to think people moment, don't think yeah, like that in a situation like this. Um, but and they do helpfully provide a couple of updates throughout the night mm-hmm. here um, uh, as it goes uh, on. But a scary yeah, thing. At, at a couple of points during the show, they mentioned that he's got movement back in his legs and he's got feeling back in his arms and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, scary, scary stuff. Thankfully, we have the hindsight to know that in terms of like his uh, living a normal life and, and, and stuff like that, he is... Uh, he, he recovers and has a full range of motion and stuff like that but just very very scary thing at the moment and hits back on a thing we've said before on the program and a lot of people who have wrestling podcasts always say it's never the spots you think someone will get injured on where they get injured it's always the spots that seem like relatively safe and- top rope bulldog this man's in a wheelchair you know uh, Rob Van Dam shatters his leg uh, on a baseball slide drop kick um you know, it's the easiest thing. Like Darren Kearney that we talked about earlier, I think he separated his shoulder doing a plancha. Yeah, it, it's like, and you know, this is the thing, like, right, you take the piss out of this going fair, and I take the piss out of Conan. And yeah, like, we are critiquing the wrestlers for what they do. But I have the utmost respect for what they do. I, I yeah. wouldn't do it full time. I couldn't do it. It's like, they put their bodies through hell. And like you say, it's the most innocuous thing that can change their life forever. And they're doing it just yeah. for people's entertainment. Yeah, and sadly, uh, on this run uh, that we're on, this won't be the last time that we have um, injuries like this to deal with. There's obviously the the infamous Sid injury a couple of years from now. Um, you want to watch that? Yeah, I, I will be fast-forwarding because I can very much picture the couple of seconds before that in my head and as soon as I know what's going to happen I'm fast forwarding Mm -hmm. but um, yeah it just happens it's wrestling like we've all seen it happen I was trying to think what's the other one Uh, Pac uh, formerly known as Adrian Neville that match with Jericho he snapped his leg doing something relatively simple Mm -hmm. didn't he I remember he he dislocated his finger in OTT yeah yeah just this shit happens like it's a dangerous profession as you say and we've even if we you know think they're kind of like uh, their gimmicks might be a bit tossery or they you know they may not be the the mat technicians sometimes we'd like them to be you know it's just like you said it's just our critique and but as human beings putting their bodies on the line for for our entertainment on on that level we we have the utmost respect for them and it was very very tough to watch this um move on if we can from this um the replay I spoke of of Hogan and Savage, uh, it was typical NWO tedium by the sounds of it. I'm much as in some ways in terms of where we are in storylines, I'm sad that we missed Nitro uh, because of the gimmick of this podcast. Uh, in terms of what I saw in this replay, I'm I'm not that mad about it because it's the usual NWO bollocks. Uh, there's belt shots, ref bumps, gang beatdowns. Uh, the highlights, I will say, included... Kevin Nash sprinting. <laughs> have you have you ever seen such a he thing? He was a motivated man in 1998. And, and his legs were still working when he got there. <laughs> Speaking of silly, like there's the ultimate silly wrestling injury. Kevin Nash walking across the ring blows a hamstring. I, was like, I actually only listened to, uh, I was re-listening to an old something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard. And they were talking about the Nash injury. And I was like, yeah, he tags in, he goes, bang, bang, ah! 
ah! <laughs> and he's like, everyone backstage just went, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Nash running to the ring was brilliant. Uh, also, Bischoff attempting to use all caps karate kicks <laughs> to stop Hogan being powerbombed. I love watching, Nash, I love watching how, um, Bischoff do his karate. And Nash giving him a look of, you little piece of shit. <laughs> it's great stuff. Um, then Lumberjack Brett comes out in his flannel shirt. Uh, hits Nash with the belt and rolled Hogan on the Savage in a scene that made you go, huh? Full um, Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we get a replay of the US title match from Spring Stampede. Uh, it, I, I, Lee, this might have been my undisputed highlight of the show, this segment, which I know is probably a curveball for you. Yes. Because... This is obviously the US title that the finish involved the uh, the interference from one Horace Boulder, later known as Horace Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, a man who definitely got the position he did on the card because of his talent and nothing else. Definitely no one he was related to. Let's move on. But uh, they're replaying this. And then they begin analysing the shots of Horace throughout the match before he <laughs> interfered like it was the fucking Patterson film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you look look here in the background, uh, you can see Horace there and they, they circle him. So you see, I just thought he was just a member of the crew. And <laughs> I love that he went into so much detail for fucking Horace Boulder. It's the fucking Bigfoot. You, oh my God. Like... <laughs> but and it would be one thing if it was like we need to identify the mysterious crew member because he never revealed himself but like he got into the ring and revealed himself and then comes out for this match with graphics I would understand this (laughs) yeah so like I'd understand this meticulous review of the footage if he was never revealed on the pay-per-view and they're still trying to figure out who it is you know what I mean like say you know that angle where um, Triple H put Sean's head through a car window And you don't know it was Triple H. There's like the grainy security cam footage is building up to their SummerSlam yeah. 2002 match. I understand the sense of mystery for for like a couple of weeks there after the attack where um, people, because people didn't know it was Triple H, but you immediately knew who it was because he revealed himself at the end of the match. Yeah. I just, oh. I, I'm still pissed about that pay-per-view because I was in New Jersey when that pay-per-view was going on. And the show oh, yeah. was on in... Uh, What's that fucking not not a uh, the Izod not the Center? Izod Center, not the, no, one the other up, one upstate New York. Oh, fucking what's it called? Uh, I'll look it up as you're talking. Um, but yeah, basically, if the show had been on in the Izod, yeah. I would have been able to go. I was only sixteen, like. But yeah, but what a show! Oh, fucking what a show! I, Rock versus I Brock. Loved that show so much. As the NASA Coliseum. The NASA, that's what it was. Um, but it. yeah like the fact that it was on in Nassau which was like an hour and a half without traffic away from where I was mm. and my uncle was just like yeah I'm not driving you up there <laughs> if it yeah. was on if it was oh. on the Izod I would have been there and I'm so pissed off hot fucking hot fucking damn what a pay-per-view that was that's the Kurt Angle Rey Mysterio yeah, like the best, the best opener opening match to a yeah. pay-per-view uh, RVD versus Chris Benoit um, Undertaker defeated Test <laughs> yeah and he got to wave the American <laughs> flag at the end but I remember Shawn Michaels, the Shawn Michaels Triple H match uh, that takes up like nearly half an hour on that show and being like, Shawn Michaels was the first wrestler I loved as a child, got me into pro wrestling in 96. And like, 
him being gone was gutting mm-hmm. to me, you know, and I was completely, completely enamored with this whole storyline of him coming back. And I'm not going to lie to you, young 12 or 13 year old day, whatever age I was when SummerSlam happened, I, there was a little tear in my eye when that man came out. And especially the bit where he kips up in that match. Holy shit. I, I, I think I was flying out the next morning. And yeah. for whatever reason, my uncle's house didn't have fucking internet access. Like, obviously, nobody had fucking smartphones or anything like that. So you would have had to use the, the yeah. computer in the house to get internet access. So yeah. I was flying out the next morning and I remember we got to Heathrow and we had a two hour stopover in Heathrow. Yeah. And I used one of those fucking, you know, paper fucking internet boxes. Yeah, yeah. To look up the SummerSlam results on WWE.com. And I remember just looking at it going, I could have been there. I was so annoyed. Yeah. And like, bear in mind, it I was, was like eight hours into a fucking, after being on a plane and I was just sitting there looking at this going, why? <laughs> and, and before we move on as well, I will say one of the all-time underrated great Jim Ross calls of a match. Oh God, yeah. He, he was incredible mm-hmm. on, on, on that match. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on from Triple H versus Shawn Michaels to Horace Boulder versus Evan Courageous. The, de- the Thunder debut of Evan Courageous, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, I was shocked that we saw him this early. I did not think I, we'd see him this early on Thunder Road. I knew he was in WCW in 98. I just didn't think we'd see. I thought he yeah. would have been like a Saturday night jobber. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, did, what did you think of Tanay building up Horace with his... I've watched tapes from Japan of Horace Boulder. Yeah. I I felt pity for him more than anything else if that if he had actually done that. Tanay with his big FMW library. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this match lasts about all of 30 seconds. So it's not really worth talking about because DDP saves us all by running in and diamond cutting both men and the referee. To which the fans and then, are fucking mental. Yeah, because DDP is brilliant. Apart from when he gets on the microphone and says, I didn't come here to bang you, you, or even you. All right, Hulk. <laughs> this man talks about banging people. A lot. <laughs> Look, maybe he was just that type of guy. Is an unbelievably poor <laughs> catchphrase, but whatever. He's got, got a lot um, of bang for his people. Yes, he does. He certainly does, and he banged all over the ring here. Um, and then calls Raven out and says he wants to fight. Uh, Raven comes out and is kind of staring him down and goes to back off. Then DDP invokes his sister. And he thinks about coming back. And then he invokes his mother. And he thinks about coming out to the ring again. And he nearly takes the bait both those times. And then he walks off. And DDP then says he isn't leaving the ring until Raven comes out. And then he leaves the ring over the commercial break. So, yeah. (laughs) DDP not necessarily a man of his word here. (laughs) Um, What did you think of the continuation of the Raven-DDP feud? I, I honestly feel like it reached its natural conclusion. Um, I, I'm more interested in the thread of either Raven Benoit or Rave or DDP Benoit than I am these two guys. I feel like when you were contrasting it with the DDP Benoit feud, where it was this incredible one-upsmanship of who's better than the other, um, to go to this kind of melodrama of "You used to be my friend." Yeah. 
Um, I I was never hugely into it, and now I'm kind of like, oh, this is just spinning your wheels because you don't know what to do with these guys next, isn't I, it? I think it's a good way to get to where they're going with Raven with the whole backstory stuff. Yeah, I guess. Like, um, but it's kind of it's selling Paige short. I think. Oh, like I think Paige is necessary because obviously they've they've built up that they had this friendship in the past, so obviously they were tight and. DDP probably yeah. knows stuff that nobody else in WCW knows. So, yeah. I can understand like I t- I honestly didn't realize that the feud continued on, but I I'm interested to see how they end it all and I know where it goes with Raven obviously and his sister does eventually show up and we get we get yeah. his neighbor showing up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sound too excited. Yeah. Yeah. Please everyone remain on the edge of your seats till we get to that stuff. Uh, next up Macho is out and he's real mad at Hogan and Brett uh, when he gets to talking about Brett uh, like it feels like he's doing his traditional things he says about Hogan that he's been saying about for months but Lee was it just me or when he gets to talk about Brett does he get like alarmingly close to the bone oh he shoots on Brett <laughs> yeah this was like go out and tell that overpaid some bitch you know to fall in line because he said that he's that Brett is overpaid and a mark for his own publicity which god bless Brett Hart is true he also says he's unproven (laughs) and he's number one on Macho Man's intergalactic hit list I love this is the second mention I believe of the intergalactic Mm -hmm. hit list after he was hit by a car now the idea that Brett has immediately jumped past the man who vehicularly assaulted him last month uh, just goes to show how annoyed he is at Lumberjack Brett. But uh, yeah, number one on the intergalactic hit list here. Actually, um, with Goldberg. I was just going to say, like, oh, yeah, sorry. we've seen basically the whole match from Nitro. And Hogan and the Disciple destroyed Savage's knee, which he had been selling in the Sting match as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then he pops out here on Thunder. No knee brace. Walk, yeah, walking fine. perfectly fine and then proceeds to tell Shivani I'm 1 million percent okay yeah it's uh, it's odd alright it's kind of a bit it feels, uh, there's a it bit feels of... like oh well I've lost the title so now I want to be made to look strong yeah I think there's a bit of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. going on here if you're trying to follow the story um, you lack the sympathy that you would have had if he had continued to sell the knee after yeah. yeah yeah I think but I guess he spent the he spent the last month selling his arm so it feels a bit reductive to have him selling the knee for a month but then why build up the knee so much you know these are questions um, next we have a Goldberg video package with like weird horror movie music what the fuck was that like an awful you know like a Muzak version of, of his own music yeah. Like, unless this was overdubbed and it was really, like, Bohemian Rhapsody or some shit. I, like, I don't know. It was real bargain basement. Like, like I, I mm, didn't like yeah, it at all. Sure. And it was just clips um, of Raven match as well. Yeah. Um, moving into Goldberg versus Mike Enos. My God, Billy Big Time hates the Beverly's. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike certainly, Enos, certainly people booking WCW yeah, do. Mike Enos looks like a guy I work with which made for this a really weird match to watch indeed uh, Mike tries to overwhelm him at the bell as has happened like you know several times in Goldberg matches it goes poorly for him 
Um, he attempts to hit a rebound hip toss off the ropes and Goldberg just stares at like blocks it, <laughs> stares him like motherfucker and then rolls him into a single leg knee bar. You know, that's one of my favorite yeah, things in the world. It was incredibly the, the, fucking smooth this time as well. Yeah, the the Goldberg Sabre Jr. Uh, single legs here. I love him. I, I love that he um, had a line where he just screams that Goldberg is a one-man assault unit. And that's yeah. just so great, fucking Great funny. stuff. Um, in, in the shock of Shoxley, uh, he beats him up quite a bit, spears him, and jackhammers him for the yeah. win. Uh, but in spite of the tedious inevitability of this, the people lost their minds. Yeah, they go mad at one point uh, Goldberg does a belly to belly which I can only describe as a fucking belly to belly because he fucking yeah. hurls Mike Enos <laughs> yeah Mike Enos did not have a choice in this I know we say the Steiners used to just throw people around and like we're notorious for mistreating jobbers Goldberg uh, in 1992 is something I wish I had seen yeah uh, like it's great stuff um, and obviously Bobby um, Heenan fucking loves Goldberg he mm-hmm. puts him over like nobody else. Yeah, he's he's the smartest man in the room, Bobby Heenan. He knows where the money is, uh, even if certain people in this company forget where the money is very, very quickly. Um, next, we have <laughs> a quick cut to the crowd and a man with a Hollywood Hogan beard in the crowd and Tony Schiavone absolutely buries him. <laughs> Buy a ticket to our show so Tony can point you out on national TV and call you a twat. Yeah. And then we have what I believe is the um, is this the main event? Yeah, uh, you're skipping over one other thing though. We oh, we please. get noticed that for the next two weeks there will be no thunder. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, so like we will obviously be back in two weeks, but yeah, we're going we're going to be going after this episode straight to like the go home for the next pay per view, pretty much. Which is fine by me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like hitting a fast forward on what I'm sure would I can't have been wait a. To see like how lost we are over stuff that's happened on two nitros. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like who um, could have debuted? Who could have turned? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the other. Like this is going to be. It's going to be a really jarring edition of Thunder. I hadn't actually thought about that. It's fuck. Like fucking, I don't know the giant back into the NWO again or. Yeah. Um. We have in our main event uh, White Thunder with Vincent versus Sting. <laughs> so funny. Uh, Steiner tries to keep Sting tied up uh, in his duster jacket and beat on him, which I think is also a thing we've seen a couple of times in Sting matches already. He really should um, take that jacket off he, before he gets into the ring. Yeah, fear not, he does get out of the jacket uh, quite quickly and takes control of the match. Uh, this is the point at which we get the final word from the eating from the hospital that uh, they say Buff will be okay, that he's moving around. Um, I thought this was decent back and forth while it did last. Yeah, it was fine. Obviously, like Steiner and Sting have a relationship going back years, so they have that respect that they wouldn't fuck each other over. So, um, yeah. Scott Steiner hits a, a low blow at one point, and I have to say, between the pay per view and this show, there's so many fucking low blows in WCW. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of them. It's a real shortcut between that and the like. It's one of the WCW tropes, like as I said, attacking people at the bell, where I'm just like, oh, could you just do something fucking different? Like this is really poor agenting that there's a lot of the same spots happening up and down the card. Wasn't Grizz- Grizzly um, Smith still a fucking agent WCW like at this point? So I think so. You know, uh, yeah. I, look, it isn't going to get much better. Yeah, and obviously the, the biggest shop of all, NWO interference because of DQ. Mm. 
So we uh, we get Sting going for the Deathlock, and the thing, the little bit of wrestling logic or lack thereof in this case. Um, he goes for the Deathlock, and instead of Vincent, who is right there, interfering in the match, he's right there. <laughs> what is he there for? To, like, is he just waiting to dress up as a police officer again? God, I hope so. Uh, instead of him interfering while he's right there, he stands gawping at the situation while Conan and the B team come out. Um, Rick comes out and chases Scott off. Uh, then the giant hits the ring to save Sting and they have a lovely huddle. Um, Sting gets on the mic. He said he's sick of the NWO running out every week. Aren't we mm-hmm. all? Um, he says Kevin Nash is very funny and sexy. Uh, and proposes rather than a dinner date with him that it be the Outsiders versus Sting and Giant at Slambury for the tag titles that I was surprised to learn the Outsiders still had. They haven't been defended yet on this show, have they? No. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they hadn't defended them anywhere either. Um, Do you know what? I know we don't things up. You should look that up. For the, I, I for will. The ne- Maybe for the not next now. Show, see how many yeah. title defences they have had between the beginning of Thunder and Slambury. Yeah. I will bet it's a Dean Ambrose US title run levels of defences mm-hmm. uh, with them. Um, he Yeah, he, so he proposes the tag title match at Slambury and <laughs> the Giant gets so hyped by this announcement that he just starts hitting the ropes. <laughs> Sting telling him to run the ropes it was a great, great way to end the show. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that we have curtains then on on episode fifteen, and uh, we need to hit our Days of Thunder finish counter for the show on this show. Lee, six matches, uh, three clean finishes, two interference leading to a finish, um, and one other, which was the the non finish of the of the, the main oh, event. Yeah. Or sorry, yeah, the non finish mm. of that match, yeah. Um, so yeah um, this was not a vintage episode it of Thunder really I mean it was I guess when you know what Thunder is in that respect but it, in terms of an actual good program to watch it probably didn't go down as smooth as that glass of wine you've been enjoying <laughs> that was a lovely glass of wine that I just finished um, yeah look the Bagwell injury kind of means that I'm not going to bury the show too much obviously they had other stuff planned I think there was a Benoit Psychosis match that got cancelled um, yeah, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Buff was to play a role in that interference as well with the the, the, the B team coming out. Um, so look, I'm not gonna bury the show. The Hogan promo at the start was a bit shit. The clips, the constant fucking clips of Hogan Macho from Nitro, were just tedious and boring by the end of it all. Uh, no Bret yeah. Hart explanation. We get no, like Horace just shows up. There's no kind of no re- rhyme or reason to it all and it just feels like like we said at the start it's just you can see them just sliding into fucking worse habits and as things go along yeah it's just uh yeah it's just that feeling of dread not just because of the obviously the horrible injury but just the that it's just the downward spiral is well and truly in motion at this point and we've got three years of falling straight down um from here um, it's going to be this is going to be the hardest phase mm-hmm. where there are like it's more kind of the bad stuff is tedious yeah. um, I would kind of when it gets towards late 99 
I think we'll have a blast with this show because the good stuff that is there will still be very good but the bad stuff will be so hilariously bad that we can't get annoyed at oh, it yeah. anymore there's going to be some total gems that we discover along the way yeah. but between and this is this isn't it's to this... discourage people because obviously we we are going to have a good time watching it but mm. between now and like like you say mid to late it's, 99 it's... and the Russo era mm. it's going to get a bit ugh. It's more, it's more that this is the phase during which you can see points at which if they course corrected, maybe they could have stopped yeah. the rot. But they were just so, but so bit see- up Hogan's hole that... Yeah. It's just... <laughs> yeah, Bischoff just couldn't see yeah. beyond Hogan. Yeah. Pal, uh, give me your winners and losers from this show and then we'll hit our final announcement on the way out. The winner has to be Goldberg just because everything the man does is fucking amazing and yeah like yeah. I, I'm a, I think it was the only match that either wasn't crap mechanically or end with a crap yeah, finish yeah and the biggest loser is Prince Ikea who is now just dead yeah like my god he has just screeched to a halt in about yeah. a week it, it, um, and that's absolutely like it's not because it's WCW but it is kind of shocking it's like it looked like they were actually getting invested in that guy and I don't guy. think he's coming back from um, no not until he's the artist anyway um, but yeah that they, I, I would probably agree on those um, I, I guess my my other loser I mean, probably Savage, because there's a guy who pretty much since the start of Thunder, the, the kind of tumultuous relationship with Hogan was built up for so long uh, to culminate in his world title win, kind of like similar, but in a, over a shorter period of time to how they, they built up Sting for so long to have the triumphant moment of winning the title. And like 24 hours later, he's lost the title. And then by later that week, he's just cutting a promo on the show as it isn't a key and part of it. he's not even going after the title anymore. He's now going after the accomplice. Yeah. It, it just feels like he's... Again, I think it's... A part of it is a case that... We talk about it with the DDP stuff that, like... Frankly, there's too many pieces on the board. Yeah. For them. And it's, it's hard to find something for everybody to do. And instead um, of tell, telling people to go away for three or four months, they're trying to cycle yeah. everyone in constantly. So someone's in for a month, then they're yeah. gone for a month, then they're back for a month. And yeah, it it just yeah. it's not working. Because here's the thing: like if you're booking smart and you're not just trying to appease the lads on their huge contracts and stuff like that, this is a show in the Carolinas where the shit was Ric Flair and Eda Horseman. Where were they? Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, we can't bury it too much, the show, just because mm-hmm. of that, that, that horrible injury that really kind of like derailed the last hour of the program and took the air out of the room. And we can't blame the commentators no, after no, that no, for Jesus. not being on the ball or anything like that, because um, obviously they're worried for for their colleague. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree largely on the, the thumbs up, thumbs down there. Lee, our last bit of business here, as we tease at the top of the program, we're doing that show, Pick Your Poison where we discuss the body of work of one wrestler um, and six of his matches as picked by yourself, myself and our special guest. Uh, we can reveal at this point that the special guest for the program, you might have been able to read between the lines based <laughs> on the team for the bowling in Oberhausen, but will be young Bose Johnny from Twitter. Um, 
a man whose uh, wrestling expertise uh, I, am, I am frequently in awe of, particularly when it comes to Lucha, which is a real black spot for me. Um, the, the man watches more he wrestling will be on- than probably both of us combined. I, I would say so. Definitely more good wrestling at this point, um, <laughs> thanks to our, our our unenviable task of watching Thunder. I mean, um, I, and I was he has. Say, I, for one, I'm shocked that he chose Lenny Lane as his pick your poison. <laughs> we thought he was going to pick like Super Colo or one of the Vianos or something like that. And it was kind of, if not Lucha, then Lucha adjacent. Um, and he has set the bar considerably high as. Uh, Johnny has picked for his wrestler Eddie Guerrero. So our first episode of Pick Your Poison will be Pick Your Poison Eddie Guerrero. Uh, and I have the six match list here, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. Um Let's so, start your two matches. Okay, so I have picked um Dean Malenko versus Eddie Guerrero from um hold on i have the name of the show written down here uh from the hostile city showdown in 1995 so they had a couple of matches in 1995 that are of note i believe they have another match in ecw isn't it that's two out of three falls Mm -hmm. that's pretty renowned but this is my one where kind of this was one of those uh in the know people sort of matches um where this was, you know, you know, if someone was making a comp of Eddie or Dean in the late nineties, this match was going to be on oh, yeah, there. For sure. So, so that's my absolute classic of his. Um, and I have also gone with the Guerrero Angle Edge, uh, Guerrero and Angle versus Edge. Sorry, Guerrero versus Angle versus Edge versus Benoit at uh, number one contender fatal four way match from SmackDown in I think it's December of two thousand and two. Um, just after the kind of fallout of the tag tournament, it might be early oh three. I, I need to get an exact date on that, but we will be posting it on Twitter the exact dates of these matches. Um, so those are my two. That's my kind of during the SmackDown six era. There's a lot of matches that the four men in this match have involving each other that are classics. I I was gonna go with one of the ones from the tag tournament, uh, but I felt that was maybe a little obvious. So this is my my kind of like underrated one. I I, I believe when I look this up, uh, Big Davy M himself ended up giving this like a four and a quarter. Uh, so for a SmackDown TV match yeah, that, to be that, rated at four and a quarter yeah, is shows how good it is. Yeah, uh, your two matches then, my friend. My two matches are quite different from one another. I'd say. Yeah, there's opposite ends. Um, I would say. So- my first match is actually earlier than the first one you selected. I am going all the way back to 1994 for my first match. It's uh, the Super Jacob, in fact, from 1994. It's Black Tiger, Eddie Guerrero, versus Wild Pegasus, Chris Benoit. Uh, again, another one of those kind of like the Malenko Guerrero matches. One of those. If you're not, if you've, it's if you've making seen, a Guerrero you know comp. how great it is. And if not, you know yeah. the wrestlers in it are great, so. It's well worth a watch. Mm-hmm. And then my second match is a I'd say this is probably a bit more well known just because of when it took place is Yeah, and the company yeah, it took place in as well. Um it's from WWE, it's two thousand and five. It's the JBL I quit match, or as I call it, the Bloodbath match. <laughs> mm. And it's Was this Great American Bash? I can't remember which pay per view it is. I think it could be. 
Yeah, well, whatever. We'll again, we'll put it up. But, on the uh, thing. again, but, if yeah, you've seen the, the match, you know, you know what it is. Yeah. Um, Johnny then has gone with. Uh, I think it's from 2002 as well. Guerrero versus Mysterio, mm-hmm. which I think is the kind of... Uh, that could pass for either, you know, because, like, obviously they're renowned for wrestling one another quite frequently, but maybe this isn't one of the, the absolutely obvious ones. They do have a few matches during this. And then his one that would absolutely make an Eddie Guerrero mixtape uh, from uh, AAA's When Worlds Collide, uh, Octagon mm-hmm. and Elijo de Santo versus Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar. Uh a very very famous tag match. Mask versus her. Yes. Um, which I am so not. Go- which I'm, I'm looking forward to. This. to say in Spanish because, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't want to run off our, our Latino yes. listenership, which is strong and vibrant. <laughs> um. Yeah. So those are our six matches. We'll be posting uh, the 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 lists and dates, and I think we'll throw um, a couple of links probably in the. Yeah, I think maybe in the build up to the show, we'll we'll put the actual mm. links out individually. Um, but if you want to go find them, they're all there. They are all available online somewhere. Um, a fair few of them on the WWE Network. Um, so yeah, that's the, I'm really looking forward to that episode. I I think that has formed up, uh, very well in my eyes. Um, it, it's kind of I haven't we haven't even sat down to watch them yet, and I'm already really excited to talk about six bangers back to back like obviously like it's gonna be about what it's gonna probably gonna take us about two hours to get through watching the matches and yeah but i I can't wait to sit down and watch them and then just have a laugh discussing them and just talk about eddie guerrero in general because who doesn't love to talk about eddie guerrero yeah absolutely absolutely a guy who kind of um was one of my my kind of like not my absolute absolute favorite but always was was in and about one of my favorites uh the entire time i was watching him uh throughout his life and this is absolutely unintentional this wasn't planned on our part we didn't we we didn't even tell each other what matches we were picking until we said right this is who i was picking um yeah i think we spanned pretty much eddie's whole career in our choices yeah, given that we weren't allowed pick uh, WCW. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, I know it's because it... I think obviously the 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 Ray Halloween Havoc match is probably the the absolute like I think that's almost too obvious seen that as well. That's the thing. Yeah, everyone's seen it, and like a lot of podcasts that have talked about either man or WCW have talked yeah, about so that it... match. So I I like that we're covering a real mm-hmm. spread here, as you For say. Sure. Um, yeah, so that's going to do it for episode 15 of Days of Thunder. Hopefully, as I say, we are uh, competing in the Oberhausen Open this weekend in, in, in Germany. And we'll have many tales from the weekend coming back. And then at some stage, once we get back and I am settled back into work and have time to edit stuff, uh, your episode of Pick Your Poison will show up. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to say when because I, I couldn't tell you when I'm going to be able to commit to editing that. Um but yeah, look forward to those. Uh, thank you very much for listening again. Um, at WCW Thunder Pod is uh, where to follow us on Twitter to to interact with us. We really love hearing from the Thunder Buddies and having a bit of crack mm-hmm. on there. And we really love to hear actually in the build up to pick your poison. Any other Eddie Guerrero matches that uh, that you want to talk about on there? Um, because it might be a thing where maybe not in this episode, but in future episodes, we might talk about kind of like some of our other favorite matches at the end and include some some listener comments in that um 
but we'll see how that goes. We still need to kind of flesh out the format of that show as we're doing it. Um, but yeah, at WCW Thunderpod, uh, follow at Pro Wrestling Only. Um, Pro Wrestling Only, uh, our, our, our fine home here for the podcast where we have uh, encountered many new Thunder buddies and we're glad to have you all along the way. Uh, individually, I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter and the Untapped app to review my uh, my Thunder beers. And Lee is at Malone underscore 713. And hopefully through a bit of cajoling, <laughs> we'll be on the Untapped app himself before long um but yeah for this episode of days of thunder uh i have been dave he has been lee and we shall see you at the next stop upon thunder road i can see through the scars inside you i can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart i can see through the scars inside you